We're in part two of this series, One Life to Live. Uh, in part two, you can grab out your Bibles and your notes, all right? We just, it's a short one today because I really feel like, I really feel like I can say what I need to say in a short amount of time and I feel like it can make a difference. I think this is something important for you. If you're new to our church, we love taking notes. Come on, somebody. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you in our times of worship, in our times of sermons. Something will stick out. Something from His Word uh, will jump out to you. It's important to write those things down. Because if you don't, what will happen is you'll say, what was that thing I heard at church? That was really good. I just, I don't remember what it was, but it was really good. And if you write those things down, though, you can begin to reference them in your spiritual journey. Just in a discipline, in all areas of your life, in your own devotion, in your own Bible reading, I encourage you, begin to write notes. Uh, And you go back and reference those as you continue, not only to see where you have been, but to see what God has done. You continue, though, during the prayer night, some of the the speakers have been harping and, and just kind of pushing that idea that we can see what God has done. What he's done in these things, when he answers prayers, when he speaks to us, when he gives us those words, because those are the ones that you hold to when you do go through a hard time. You begin to hold to those words that God has given you. So I encourage you to take some notes. Uh, if you want us to tell you what to write down, we've got a fill-in-the-blank version of those in the church app. Uh, that's in the Victory Church app. You can see a fill-in-the-blank for all the scriptures and all the things uh, you'd like to do, and you can do those things. Because I really believe that this series uh, is a chance for a lot of us to check some things off the list. Because if you're like a lot of people, isn't it true, we get to January and we start the resolution list. Uh, we write down some things that we want to change in our lives, some, some things that we'd like to make some adjustments and things like that. And if you're like the average person, chances are the things that you're writing down for the last decade have been very similar to the ones the year before. Usually somebody puts things on a list for about 10 years and then they finally just drop off and just forget about them altogether. But we begin to believe God over and over and over and we put these things. And so what I'd like to do through this series, through these 21 days of prayers, we begin to actually check some things off the list. That they don't just drop off due to inactivity, but they begin to actually be fulfilled in some adjustments that we make in our lives. And so the series, the concept behind it is that how would your life be different if you knew when it would end? If you were given, let's say, 50 years to live or 30 years to live or 10 years or one year, or like last week we said, if you were given 30 days left to live in your life, what are some changes that you would make? How would your life be different? Because a lot of us would make a lot of adjustments in our lives. A lot of us would change a lot of things if we only had 30 days left to live. So the question then becomes, why wouldn't we make those adjustments now? If we were going to make those when we really were focusing on what's important and we really had that timeline ahead of us, why wouldn't we go ahead and make those changes now? Because then it would help us to get the most out of the life that God has given us. It would help us to begin to live our lives with purpose and begin to live our lives how God intended us to, that we can make the most of every single moment that we have. And so that's what we've been wrestling with. Week one, we talked about perspective. Last week, we talked about how we would change our perspective if we had 30 days left to live. There's some things that we would view as more important than we do right now. There's some things that we would put into priority in our life, some things we put at the top that maybe we haven't done in a while. And so we talked about that. And if you missed it, you can watch it online or in the app. I really think it would help you just to set kind of the tone for the series where you can just see how we would change our perspectives. This week, we get to change gears a little bit. And we'll talk about the time we have left and the purpose that God has for us in the time that we have left in these days. If we only had 30 days left to live, I think a lot of us would begin to really realize, okay, what is my purpose and what can I accomplish? How can I reach out? What can I do? What are we going to do with the time we have left? How can I leverage every moment? Begin to value every second if we knew that we only had a few of them left. How can I live how God has called us to live? Because I want to talk this morning about living a life that lives beyond us. And I think that's what purpose is all about. When we fulfill that, we live a life that not only impacts the world around us, but then begins to impact our children and our children's children. 
we can begin to live lives that leave legacies. Because I think if we only had 30 days left to live, I think we'd be more concerned about those around us and what kind of impact we're making and how we're leaving a legacy than we would about caring about our own selves. I think if we only had 30 days to live, we'd change some things in our lives. So I'm going to give you four points today. Jot them down if you're taking notes. Number one, if we're going to live a life that leaves a legacy, or live a life that lives beyond us, we're going to have to begin to stand with integrity. You have to stand with integrity. Now, integrity is kind of a lost art uh, in our culture today. It's kind of a, uh, a shied away from or put away or put in the drawer and forget about type of thing. But integrity is simply being the same person in every environment that you're in. It's being the same person in every environment that you find yourself in. On Thursday, I got off the phone uh, with a contractor that we, we were looking to buy some things. And so I got off the phone with them. And I looked down and my son, Elijah, was looking back up to me. He's six. And he was looking at me with like, kind of a curious face after I hung up the phone. And he said, did you know you have three voices? And, and I, I kind of knew where he was going, but I said, I don't, what, do, what do you mean I have three voices? He said, well, you have a voice that you talk to us. He meant him and his brother, Liam. He said, you have a voice that you talk to Hava. That's our two-year-old. He said, then you have a voice that you talk on the phone. And he said, you have three of them. And I thought to myself, you're right. I do have three voices. I have three. Actually, I got more than that, buddy. But I encourage you guys because integrity... Integrity is being the same person in every environment. And I'm working on it. Come on, somebody. I'm working hard on this, all right? But it's being the same person in every environment. And then it's doing what you say you'll do. It's following through on the promises that you made. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, the integrity of the upright guides them. The integrity, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity, by their three, five, seven, eight voices. They're destroyed by being a different person in every single thing. Because there are people in the culture today that maintain the image. We have an image we project about who we are or, or who we are in this scenario or that kind of thing. But it's not who they really are. And so eventually it ends up destroying their life because who they're projecting to be is not who they really are on the inside. And a person of integrity is just the same person in every environment. The same person in all, and they follow through with what they promise. Proverbs chapter 25, I like this verse. Like clouds and wind without rain. Is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Gifts he does not give. And so many times we make all these promises to the world around us about who we are and what we'll do and how we, we can accomplish things. Well, we, we make all these promises and then we don't follow through with them. And that lacks integrity. Here's some common promises that you and I have probably made and not followed through with. All right, here's the first one. I'll return it as soon as I'm done with it. Come on, somebody. How many are guilty of that? Liars, because you all have something, something in your garage that belongs to your neighbor, and you've started to think of it as yours now. Come on, somebody, you begin, right? It just, it just fits so nicely on the wall, and that's, that's your, your, some of you are thinking about things you've let me borrow that I currently have, all right? Don't worry, I'll return them when I'm done with them, all right? Second one, <laughs> I promise I won't tell anyone. It's quiet in here, come on, so this is why people don't go to small groups, because you'll tell everybody that you trust. The problem is the person that told you doesn't trust the people that you trust, right? Come on, don't, uh, right, don't tell anybody, but Bill just told me that it's quiet because it's true. I know it hurts because it's true. Come on, somebody. All right, next one. Here's a good one. The check is in the mail. Come on, nobody writes checks anymore or uses the mail. But if we did, this was a, this was a good one back in the day, all right? This was a good, good lie we used to tell. All right, here's the next one. I'll be home by 6 p.m. No, you break that promise all the time. Come on, somebody. I've noticed it gets quiet at different ones. I can see like different pockets where different ones are hitting a little bit differently. Come on, somebody. You, you'll break that one. Here's one that I'm guilty of from time to time. We can play later. 
I promise Elijah will play later, which means I hope you forget about this conversation. Come on, it just <laughs> all parents, all parents are guilty about that. Here's this one. Come on, last one. I'm starting my diet tomorrow, tomorrow, because we're all guilty of that one because tomorrow comes and it's not Wednesday. And so we'll say, I'll start Wednesday. I'll just we tell people we begin to make these promises and we live this life making promises to people like this or even more serious. And then we don't follow through with the words that we say. And that lacks integrity. And the sad time oftentimes is that we're able to maintain the image at the workplace or at church. We're able to maintain the image to the world and we give them our best. But then we give the worst of ourselves to the ones who probably deserve the best at home. And so we're able to keep that image up outside of our home. But we're then when we finally let the facade down, we give the worst of ourselves. And so David prayed this prayer in Psalms 101. He prayed this prayer. He said, I'll try to walk a blameless path. But God, how I need your help, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. I long to act as I want to live this life. I want to keep this up. I want to be a man of integrity. What a wonderful prayer, because the sad reality is when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're empty, when we're running low, when we're tired, when we've just gone to the end of ourselves and we can't just keep up the image anymore. Truth is, we don't take it out. On the boss, we don't take it out on our pastors. We don't take it out on the small group leader. We take it out on the dog. We take it out on our kids. We take it out on our spouse. And we give the worst of ourselves to those who probably deserve the best of us. We give the worst of ourselves. And so being a person of integrity, we're going to stand with integrity. We're going to be the same person in every area of our lives. The same person. I'm inspiring to do this. I fall short all the time. I mean, but this is something that I'm just trying in my own life. I'm going to be the same person in every environment. I want to be the same person I am when I'm on this stage, as I am when I lead the staff, as I am when I work in the schools, as I am when I play with my kids, as I am when I go to Costco. Come on, somebody. I'm going to be the same person in every environment. We're going to have integrity. And I'm not perfect, but I'm trying my best to be that. And I would just encourage you, if that's something we aspire to, to leave a legacy, to live a life that goes beyond us. We've got to live with integrity. We've got to be the same person. We've got to make promises and keep those promises. It's that good name that gives us the legacy that leaves after us. All right. Not only we have to have integrity. Number two, jot it down if you're taking notes. We need to succeed with humility. We need to succeed with humility. This be somebody who is humble. And it's not a lot of that in culture today either. Something that's kind of been forgotten as well. And I think you can look at our sports and see the deterioration of that in our culture as well. Like I realized that we all watched one game last weekend. We watched the one game on Monday night, but there were some other games that went on in the NFL and also in the college. There were some different things that went on in basketball and the rest. And if you watch those and you begin to see, because 10, 20 years ago, when you would see a celebration or a basket or a touchdown or whatever it was, when you would see those things, when I played ball and then when you would watch it on television when I was a kid, the celebrations were different. The celebration, because when they would score a touchdown, then the celebrations were about the team and they bump chests and they have high fives and the coach and everybody be involved. It was more about that. Nowadays, they celebrate before they ever cross the goal line. Come on, somebody, before they even get there, they're celebrating, they're cheering and then they get across it and it's all about them. It's all about how can I make some dance or some routine or something, especially in soccer or in football, where we say, OK, I need to get on Sports Center and I got to do some different thing. And I would encourage, I don't know how you feel about different leagues and different things, but the NFL defenses have actually gotten back to this, where they've done team celebration and things, but it's a lost art across the rest of the sports, where now it's no longer about the rest of the team, but it's about me. It's about what I can do. It's about how people can see my face and my name. And so instead of remembering that somebody had to throw a block and somebody had to set a screen and somebody had to throw the pass and somebody had to coach you to get to that place of success, instead of remembering all of that, we become more about the jersey and we point to the name on the back. And that's what it's all become about instead of the team. 
How can I be as individual as person? And we're living in a culture that's full of pride. And that's just a way to see maybe the tip of the iceberg, but it's permeated throughout the rest of culture where pride is the number one thing. Where if I get to a place of success or a place of whatever it is, it's all about me and how I got here. So Proverbs says this, the Bible says, that arrogance will bring your downfall. And we see that especially in the rest of life. We see it all over in every area. People get full of pride. It always leads to them getting messed up. And again, I know you watched the game on Monday, but if you watched on Sunday, the Ravens went in with the Titans, man, and they didn't, the number one team in the NFL didn't show up for the game. Where they just got past that game already, they had that arrogance where they said, well, this is just the little one. We're going to move past to the championship of the the semis. And they said, well, we're just going to get through that. And they didn't show up. They didn't do it. And you see this all the time where a team will have this arrogance about them where it's never going to happen. That team will never beat us. And so they don't even show up. They don't get up for the game, if you will. And then you have this David and Goliath story where the other team just hangs around and hangs around and hangs around. And suddenly a defeat that never should have happened comes into play because of pride. Because there was no preparation and there was no idea of, okay, then maybe they could in respect of the other player or the other opponent. And this pride has gotten into everything. But the Bible says if you're humble, then you'll be respected. Because we see that arrogance always goes before. Pride goes before the fall. You know that one. But if you're humble, then you'll be respected. We live a life that realizes that none of us are successful without the efforts of a whole bunch of other people. We begin to be humble in our success. We're humble in the things that we do. We're humble in our lives because we realize that if you ever get to a place of success, you ever get to a place where you, you get something going or you've made something or you get to a place of success in your life, it's because there's a whole bunch of other people in your life who've been putting up with your garbage. Come on, somebody. They've been around you, supporting you, picking you up, lifting you, encouraging you, helping you along the way. Because we've got to remember, when we have that support, humility says that I've been lifted up. Humility says it's not all about me. Because here's what I know. If you step on the fingers of those who hold your ladder of success, they might let go when you get to the top. Come on. And you might, you might realize that you're not all that special. That there are people around you. Reality is the world will forget your name if you make life all about yourself. Because people aren't interested in that. Philippians chapter 2, it puts it this way. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. I love that sentence. Because this is, this is kind of the microcosm of pride. This is what we usually say in our hearts. Don't be selfish. How does it make me feel? And don't try to impress others. How does it make me look? Because if we're prideful in our hearts, we filter everything in our world through this lens. How does it make me feel? And how does it make me look? Everything that we do, every action we take, every relationship, everything, we see it through this lens. And then how does it make me look? How does it make me feel? And here's how we live our relationships. And so many of them are through that lens of selfishness and pride. And the world says, well, you got to do what makes you feel good. And you got to do what makes you successful, what makes you look the best. And so it doesn't matter who you sleep with. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter who you undercut. doesn't matter who you go behind. doesn't matter who you backstab or who you backtalk. It doesn't matter any of those things. doesn't matter as long as it makes you look good. As long as you're able to find a place of success. It's not what the Bible says, though. And so we're selfish a lot of times. We have to fight against that. that the image... That we create when we're not living with integrity. The image that suddenly we feel like we have to upkeep. We begin in our pride to then cut down everybody else around us. The Bible says don't do that. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Now that's not thinking of yourself like I'm no good. And I'm just trash and I'm stupid and I can't do anything and everything I touch falls apart and I'm just just an Eeyore mentality about life. That's not what it's talking about. It's not thinking of yourself less. It says begin to think more of others. Begin to think more of others than you do of yourselves. Be interested in those. Take interest in them. Look to lift other people. 
Begin to lift others in your life. Begin to lift them all around you. Because you can either live your life lifting yourself or lifting others. And I promise you the second one is better. You can either live your whole life lifting yourself or lifting others. Because if you've ever been across or come across a person who has gotten this right, who leaves a legacy, who encourages others, who come across others in their life, who lifts them, always lifts them. You come away from that conversation with that person, not thinking how cool they are and how great they are, but thinking, man, I could take over the world right now. Like, I could, I could do anything. You ever come in contact, you have a conversation, a lunch with somebody like that, and they just lift you. They're not worried about making themselves great. They're worried about lifting other people. They begin to encourage other people. They begin to lift, and that's what we want in our lives. You want to leave a legacy. It's recognizing that I didn't get here on my own. It was a whole bunch of other people who were around me. And then calling out greatness in the others around us. Begin to lift them as well. We're going to do that with humility. Number three this morning, if you're going to live a life that lives past yourself, we're going to have to sow with generosity. So not only we stand with integrity, we have humility in our successes, but we're going to begin to sow with generosity. Because if you had 30 days left to live, chances are you wouldn't be trying to build a big bank account. You'd be looking to be a blessing in every scenario. If you only had 30 days left in your life, you wouldn't be trying to add numbers to the end of the bank account balance. You'd be looking to be a blessing. The Bible says in Psalms 112, verse 9, it says, They share freely. They give generously to those in need, and their good deeds will be remembered forever. They'll have influence and honor. They'll be remembered forever. You want to begin to live a life of legacy. You want a life that lives beyond you. You want influence. You want honor. You begin to sow with generosity. You begin to be generous in everything that we do. I love the story of Andrew Carnegie. He's one of the great philanthropists of U.S. history. And some of us know him for his work in steel. Maybe you know his Carnegie steel that he had in Pittsburgh that he sold to J.P. Morgan in 1901 for $303,450,000. Come on, somebody. That's a lot of money. Come on, In modern-day equivalency, that is $9 trillion. That's a couple of bucks. That's just a couple of... He saw that to him, but he's not known. He's not known for that, his greatest business deal. He's not known because that deal made him for a season the richest man in America, passing Rockefeller. He's not known for all of those things. It wasn't that that made his life a big deal. It was that he spent his life giving to others. And after he died, they were going through his mementos and his, his things in his desk and his things he had written. And they found this little scrap of paper with one of his goals on it for his life. And here's what it said. He said, I'm going to spend the first half of my life making as much money as I possibly can. And then I'm going to spend the second half of my life giving it all away. He said, I'm going to spend the first half making as much as I can and giving it. And the thing that's so extraordinary about Andrew Carnegie is not that he made $300 million in one business deal. It's that he spent his life giving away $450 million to charities. Gave away $150 million more away than his single greatest business deal in his life. How blessed would you have to be to give away $450 million? Come on, somebody. But God calls each one of us to give generously on every occasion. He calls each one of us to do what we need to do with what he's given us, to be responsible with that. Because I I don't know about you, but I know about myself, probably a lot of us would not give $450 million away if we had it. Come on, it's quiet in here. It hurts because it's true. Because come on, somebody, but God calls us with what we have. He's faithful in little, would be faithful in much. And so we remember Carnegie's name, not because he made a lot, but because he gave a lot. Because here's what I know. We make a living by what we get, but we leave a legacy by what we give. You leave a legacy. You want to live a life that leads beyond you. You want to live a life that leaves a legacy. We've got to sow with generosity. If we were going to sow, if we were going to refocus our lives, what would it look like if we had 30 days left? We'd be looking to sow on every occasion to make a difference. Proverbs 11 says it this way. Give freely 
and become more wealthy. That's what's crazy about God's kingdom, all right? It's backwards than what the world would tell you because the world says you've got to make as much money. You've got to add as many zeros to the end of your bank account. You've got to do as much as you can with your investments and don't give it all away because that's just crazy. You've got to be stingy with your money. But no, God says you can't outgive God. Be stingy, you're going to lose everything. You've got to begin to give. It says with generosity, give freely and become more wealthy. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Watch how this verse ends. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, we don't give with an ulterior motive that God will bless us. We give hoping he uses it for his kingdom. But I promise you, in every area of your life, when you begin to give with generosity, when you begin to refresh others, there is a refreshment that comes to you. That's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because there's a refreshment. God might not bless you monetarily. God might not come back and say, okay, this is how it's going to happen. This is, but there's always a blessing that comes to the generous. There's always a refreshment to your soul. There's always something inside of you. You want to begin to live a life. Because if we had 30 days left, we wouldn't be worried about, well, I want to just have my bank account be as big as it can possibly be. We'd be worried about how am I going to bless those around me? How am I going to impact the world that it would impact and leave a legacy after me? Live a life that outlives It's going to take integrity. It's going to take generosity. It's going to take humility. Then the final one this morning as we end, we have to serve with a sense of urgency. Because the time is short. We have to serve with a sense of urgency because every one of us has been put on this planet with this purpose of serving, of lifting others, of serving the world around us, of making a difference where we've been placed. We've all been put here with this sense of purpose. And we might not know when the end of our life is, but I guarantee all of us have less than what we'd like it to be. And so we got to serve with a sense of urgency. The truth is we should always be aware of the needs and the opportunities around us to serve. There's a story in Mark chapter 9. Jesus is with his disciples. And they arrive at Capernaum and they settled into his house. And Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out there on the road? Because this is Jesus would get in the front, the Bible tells us. This is how, kind of how they traveled. And he would get out in the front and the disciples would walk after him. And so they had been discussing something. They had been kind of talking among themselves. And then in verse 34 at the bottom. But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. What a dumb conversation. And just what? Like, I am greater than you. Like, I am. No, I am better than you are. I'm, I'm much greater. Did you see how I healed that guy back at wherever? You know, I am. I am much greater than you. No, you know, I, I fast this much and I do this. Like, come on, somebody. I, I must be greater than you. And Jesus called them all together. Watch this next verse. He called them over and he said, what a stupid argument. Come on, somebody. He just, Jesus, a lot nicer than I would have been. Whoever wants to be first, he said to him, must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Come on, put that on your fridge, everybody. Put that on your, your car magnet. Whoever wants to be first must take the last place. You want to live a life of greatness. Don't live your life lifting yourself all the time. Don't live your life trying to find your own success and trying to find your own things. Be the servant of all. You want to find greatness. I want you to know that you are made on purpose and for a purpose. That God has put you into your life with a purpose to change the world around you. And you'll never see that if you serve yourself your whole life. You began to lift yourself, you're, instead of lifting others, instead of, instead of serving with urgency and knowing that the time is short and knowing that heaven and hell are a reality and there are people around us who are lost and need us to serve and need us to spread the love of Christ to them, if we really begin to refocus our lives, we'll see that purpose. We begin to live our lives with that sense of urgency, that sense of purpose and how we're going to reach out. Because you've been given a purpose in the place that you are. Watch this in Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says this way, For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I love that word handiwork there. One verse says in workmanship. One verse says is craftsmanship. It's this idea in the Greek word. It's this idea that God spent time crafting your life. 
That God spent time building who you are. If you will, God spent time where you're going to be in history and where he's going to place you and how you're going to be and what you'll look like and all these things. God spent time giving you those gifts and abilities to make that purpose and to live it out in your life. God gave you those things to make a difference in the world around you. And God orchestrates all those things that he can make a difference in the world around you. And then it says he created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. Go back to that, that verse, to do good works. Not to, not to, to view, not to, to see from the sidelines, not to hear about, to do. Because you've been created on purpose, for a purpose, to do good works that he prepared for you to do. He created for you to do that. He prepared events like he orchestrated the world and then he inserted you at this time in this place to make a difference. And he didn't put me in your role. He didn't put you in my role. He put each of us in a place to make a difference. And you'll never feel like you're leaving a legacy until you figure out what that purpose is. You begin to live that out. You want to live a life that lives past you. You want to live a life that impacts the generations around you. Find that purpose. You leave a legacy. You begin to live those things out that God gifted you for. Sad reality, even in the body of Christ, is that a lot of people never figure out what that purpose is. A lot of people never know what those giftings are that God has given them and to be able to live those things out. They don't know what they're good at. They don't know why God put them on the planet. And I believe that every one of us has that purpose to serve others. Every one of us has that purpose. We have that calling to begin to serve others around us, to begin to leave a legacy, begin to spread the goodness and the love of our God as far as we possibly can. That's our calling on this earth. And there's a million opportunities to serve. They got the random acts of kindness cards we keep in the foyer where you can just serve, reach those out. You can pray with somebody who's pouring their heart out to you. Or you can jump on the dream team. You can go through discovery and find your spiritual gifts. There's, there's a million chances to begin to live that purpose out. It's us that needs to take advantage of those opportunities. We need to begin to look at those opportunities and say, God, what is the purpose you have for me? Today, send someone across my path, someone I can serve, someone I can lift up. That's someone I can change because I want to leave a legacy. I think if we only had 30 days left to live, we would change our perspective on purpose. So why not make that adjustment now? Why not begin to live lives that leave a legacy? But a lot of times you've heard us talk about discovery and we say, you know, two steps, three steps. And you kind of we put it to the back of our mind because I have things I need to do. And I've got responsibilities and just demands on my time. And I have these different things. I want you to know if you always play that game. If you always play where you let the devil keep you on the sidelines. You always say, well, I've got this appointment. I've got that thing. I'll figure out my purpose another time. Or I'll begin to live out what God's called me to do another time. If you play that game, you let the devil keep you on the sideline. You'll never begin to leave that life of legacy. You got to get in the game. Final verse as we close. Bible says this in Ephesians. It says he makes the whole body, talking about the church, fit together perfectly. The whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There needs to be a sense of urgency in the body of Christ. That I'm a part made for a purpose. That I got to find out what that is so that I can help the body. That I can help them. I can help the body of Christ across this world. I can make a difference. I can begin to live out because you've been placed where you are on purpose for a purpose. To begin to live out what God has called you to do. Those people that are around you that you're complaining about, they've been put around you for a purpose. Man, maybe God is calling you to reach them. Maybe no one else has been called to reach that person but you. And they're on your heart. And God has been putting you in that place. He's positioned you to serve others. Because it's not all about ourselves. It's not all about ourselves. 
And just begin to pray and ask for those opportunities to begin a life of legacy. Because we got to serve with urgency because we don't know how long we have. The only problem with Carnegie's solution, the only problem with his, his motto or his, his method is that none of us know when half time is. I don't pray it on anybody. I pray we all have more than 30 days to live, but tomorrow is promised to no man. And so I would just encourage you, we don't know when half time is, so why not begin to live our purpose now? Begin to make those, those changes now. It's a picture of what God's body is supposed to be like, what the body of Christ, the, the church is supposed to look like. Because I promise you that victory, victory won't reach as many people as it could. It won't be as healthy as it could be. It won't be as full of love as it should be if you're not in the game. If you're always on the sideline, ever looking, saying, I'll get in later, I'll do this later. It won't be as much as it could be. The church, the body won't be like it should be. If you're not in the game, let's do all we can to leverage everything that we have to serve others with urgency, to begin to live lives that live past us. Because then at the end of a life like that, we'll stand before our creator and he'll say, you know what? You did a good job with the moments that I gave you. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. I just want to pray over us as a church. So I pray every single one of us. That we would begin to live with humility. We would begin to sow with generosity. Begin to live with integrity. Begin to serve like time is running out. To have that urgency because we know heaven and hell are a reality. We know that there are people that we can change. And that what we do makes a difference. And this morning before I pray that. I just want to talk to those of you who are here today. Or you're watching online wherever you are. And you heard this message and you, you went through all this and you're saying, I'm far from God. And I don't know for what reason, maybe something happened in your life and it drove you far and you ran away from him. Or maybe, maybe something, a tragedy happened or whatever it was that drove you away from God. But you feel that longing in your heart to come back. It's amazing. All of us have this, this sense of purpose in our hearts. We all have this sense that I was made for something more. Bible says God put that there so you would find your way back to him. And so this morning, if you feel that in your heart, you feel a drawing. I just want to introduce you again to Jesus. And I want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you this morning. But if that's you, you say, I'm far from God, but I want to come home. Or you say, I've never made that decision, but I want to make one for Christ today. I just want to pray with you because I promise you, you feel like I was made for more. You feel like I have a purpose and I don't know what it is. I promise you the answer is found in Jesus Christ. The answer to your longing, the answer to your purpose is found in him. And you surrender your life to him. You pray that prayer. And I promise you, he will help you find that purpose. He will give you how he designed you. Give you a calling, you give you a sense of purpose, you begin to live a life of legacy. So that's you today. I just want to pray with you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But if you say, I want to pray that prayer, you say, Include me in that, I want to come back. That's you. Would you do me the favor and right now you say, Include me in that prayer? Would you be bold and right now just slip up your hand wherever you are? Would you say, Include me in that? Thank you. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome job, guys. Great job. You say, include me in that prayer. Great job. Is anybody else, you say, include me in that prayer. 
Great job. I'm so proud of you guys. Anybody want to join those seven? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you the words to a prayer. And I can give you the words, but you've got to say them and you've got to mean them in your own heart. Church, we're going to pray this with those who raise their hand, those who are watching online. We're going to pray this as one church. Come on, just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin, of all of my mistakes. I want to live my life for you. Now say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. Give me new purpose. Give me new direction. In Jesus' name I pray. And Lord, I thank you for this amazing church. God, I pray that we begin to live lives of purpose. Lord, that we begin to stand with integrity, God. That we can be the same in every environment. Lord, I pray for the strength. Lord, to follow through with what we say we'll do. To be the people, God, that you want us to be. Lord, I pray that as we begin to succeed, we do it with humility. God, that we always look to raise those around us. That we begin to think of others more than ourselves. God, that you breed in us just a sense and a sense of humility, God. Lord, that we know we didn't get here on our own. That we always encourage others. We always look for opportunities to raise others. God, I pray that you would give us, Lord, just a spirit of generosity. That we always look for opportunities to bless others. We always look for opportunities to be a blessing, to be your hands and feet. Bring those opportunities across our path this week. Let us spread your love across this world, God. Lord, and then I pray that we serve with a sense of urgency because we know that heaven and hell are reality. God, we know that those who come across our path may be headed for a Christless eternity and we may be the only one who spreads the love of Christ to their life. And so I pray, God, give us boldness. Lord, give us unashamedness of the gospel that we would begin to speak your name, Lord. Jesus, we cry out, send us people who are lost that we could be a light in the darkness. Let us serve with a sense of urgency. And God, I pray that we begin to live lives of legacies. Lord, that we begin to live lives of purpose. God, that we're going to bless you and we thank you for all that you do in our lives, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen and amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for what God has done today?